Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. All right, I'm going to read to you from Luke 7, verse 1 to 10, well-known passage of Scripture, but we'll take something least less well-known from it, I hope, tonight. And this is where it says, Jesus entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard about Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was on his way to the house when the centurion sent friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I didn't come uh, to you in the first place. But say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go and he goes, and this one, come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. He was amazed. I think whatever amazes Jesus is worthy of further investigation. Just in case it's a possibility that we could amaze him again. Because I promise you, the gaps between God being amazed are large. When you're omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent, you must be hard to impress. So if the Bible says Jesus was amazed, it is worthy of investigation, which is what we're going to do this evening. Turning to the crowd following him, including the church, including the apostolic team, the disciples, he said, I have not found such great faith even in Israel amongst you guys. Then the men who'd been sent returned to the house to find the servant well. Now, as I said this morning, if you were here and if you weren't, I work hard on my titles so that if you forget the content of the message, you remember the title. And the recollection of the title will bring back with its memory the content of the message. Because the freshness of our communication is never in the subject or the topic. The freshness is in the angle. Find an angle. Find something no one has seen. Find an insight that no one has seen and then speak about that. That's what makes these old passages memorable when preachers are not lazy. And we dig deep and we see something that has perhaps been not seen before and speak to us about that. And that's what I'm going to do from this passage tonight. So my title is The Centurion Factor. We'll have a visual come on screen so that you visual people have that stick in your head. If the text doesn't stick in your head, together they will. The Centurion Factor. This passage is subheaded, as you just saw, the centurion servant. But as we just read, it's not about the servant at all. If it was about the servant, we'd know more than we do about this staff member that was sick. We'd know why this staff member mattered so much to the centurion. We'd know what was the nature of the sickness. 
we would know what happened at the point of the healing and maybe the days following, because all of that and more, we do know about other people Jesus helped. So this is not about the servant at all. It's actually about the centurion. It's about the boss. It's about the person that loved this servant, loved this staff member, to the point where he set something in motion this day that he'd never done before. He is a man with resources. He clearly had power and authority in the Roman military and Roman government, therefore had a lot of resources at his disposal, but still couldn't fix this problem. He clearly had finances, so probably was able to get the finest medical help to this staff member. We know he had money because when the elders of the Jews approached Jesus on the centurion's behalf, they said to Jesus, hey, maybe thinking Jesus needed some persuasion to go to someone's house of this kind. He said, they said, Jesus, this guy deserves to have you help him because he loves our nation and he wrote a check for our synagogue. Did you see that bit? He financed, it said, he financed our synagogue. He wrote a check for the church building. You know, that happens less and less these days when people like that write checks for churches to build buildings because we have demonized these people. We have made outlaws and we've made enemies of them. Sometimes God wants to resource us through people that would never even dream of coming to church, but they don't know what to do with their money. And they're going to die and leave it to the dog's home. And they do all the time, by the way. And we love dogs, but people are more important. And millions of dollars get left to the dog's home and the cat's home and the donkey sanctuary because people die, people die not knowing us. Or if they knew us, we treated them unfairly, or we judged them unfairly, or they had a bad experience somewhere, and often die still not passing on that wealth. They lived full, and they wanted to die empty, but had nowhere to pass their money. So if we build, if we build relationally rich lives, if you build a life that is large relationally, not just people you feel comfortable with, but build a large circle of relationship the chances are this church and your life will never be short of anything because someone has got everything you need. Nothing you need is in heaven. Everything you need is already in earth, in the earth. But if you don't know who's got it, and sometimes it could just be a cell number. Sometimes what you need is just somebody's number that can make it happen. Sometimes that is worth more than a check could ever be. And that's what this guy was to the church. And these elders of the Jews were smart because they built a friendship with this outsider, not only a Gentile, but a Roman, not only a Roman, but a Roman centurion. He's three times removed from the kind of person you would see in this room tonight. So he approaches these elders because he has an issue he can't fix. And they approach Jesus and say, Jesus, this guy deserves to have you come. So what we read is Jesus sets off to the man's house. Why does he go to the man's house? Because we know that what happens next is what always happens. Jesus is going to go to the man's house. We don't know how long the journey was. We know Jesus couldn't call Uber. So we know he's on foot. So this journey could have taken half a day, could have taken a full day. We don't know. It may have involved an overnight stay in another village, another town. We don't know. But Jesus sets off to the man's house to go and lay hands on the servant, which is how the elders told the centurion, this is how this thing unfolds. Got to get in to come to your house. The centurion probably said, why is that? 
Well, because this is our area now. This is how this stuff happens. He'll come to your house, lay hands on the sick person, and a miracle will happen. That's, so he goes along with it. So plan A is set in motion. He's on his way to the man's house. Meanwhile, the centurion is sat at home thinking about what he's set in motion and has an upgraded idea. He thinks to himself, well, you know what? I am a man of authority and under authority, like I understand this guy Jesus is. And this is how I understand, he thinks, in his military, very black and white mind. Let's, let's just be clear about that. His idea of power and authority was very clinical, but it worked. Because he said to himself, when I have a staff member do something for me, I tell them, go and do it. If it's a soldier, I tell them, go and do it. And they go and do it. And he thought, I don't go with them and stand behind them to make sure they do it. That's in England what we call having a dog and barking yourself. <laughs> so he thought, I don't do that. No more than when I am sent an instruction from Rome with an update on military policy or an update on government policy that he has to carry out as a centurion in the Roman military, when he receives instructions from above him, the person that sent the letter doesn't come with it to make sure he reads it and does it. Instead, on the letter, it had a seal, like a modern-day signature, but a seal. And the seal was the power and the authority of the person that sent the letter. And if you didn't do what was in it, you could lose your liberty, lose your job, perhaps lose your life, depending on the nature of what was in the letter. So he thinks all that through, and he figures something out. And what he figured out is what was beginning to amaze Jesus. He figured this out. Physical presence is not required for power and authority to function. He figured that out because he lived in a world where he wasn't physically present, but what he commanded to, to happen, happened. He lived in a world where those that told him to do something, he did it, but those that said do it were not physically present. So he said to himself, I don't think this guy needs to be physically in my house to perform a miracle. So I'm going to send the next delegation to tell him, this is my thinking, Jesus, and I figured out, because you don't need to be here, in the same way that I send a staff member to do something, you should send your word, like I send a person, because words are also servants or masters. In the same way I send a staff member, would you send your word, like a staff member, to my house? And I think your word is as good as your presence, and your word is as good as your power, just send that instead. Now, here's, here's where the amazement factor is growing based on what I'm calling the centurion factor. The centurion factor is bringing something to the table on this day that was unprecedented. Because what we don't realize in the way we read our Bibles, and it's my job to stop and figure it out and pass on to you guys, is that up until this time, Jesus has never healed anybody without being physically present. That's why this is shocking. Because no one knew that this was even an option. No one even knew that Jesus didn't need to physically be in the room. Because up until now, he's only ever been physically in the room 
laying a hand on someone. He's never, ever not been present. So no one even knows that this is a possibility. This is a total zero gravity idea. Coming from an outsider, coming from someone perhaps that doesn't have the baggage that we often have in church, where we get so committed and so entrenched and so protective of business as usual Christianity that we're not open to a new idea. Sometimes it takes a complete outsider to show us what we can't see because we can't see the wood for the trees, as we say. This outsider comes up with this idea. Jesus is amazed at the idea because he knows that no one, no one even knew this was an option. I can imagine the disciples hearing this delegation saying to Jesus, don't come, just speak a word. Imagine the disciples saying to each other, you just watch Jesus put these guys straight. These Romans think they know everything. Just watch Jesus put them straight. This is our area now, not their area. If you know anything about the disciples, you do know, don't you? They were entirely capable of that kind of conversation. (laughs) As are we. When something different happens through someone different. So Jesus didn't do that. Jesus just looked at these guys that came and suggested it and kind of went, high five, I could do that. Now here's where this gets really interesting and scary. The only person who knew that it was possible to speak a word and not be present, the only person that knew this was possible was Jesus. And he never said anything. I'm introducing you to a different kind of God, to the one perhaps you're aware of or we've told you about, and you need to know something about God. Jesus knows he doesn't need to go to this man's house. He knows all along up to this time, he's always known, he doesn't need to be physically present. But he never said anything. You would think, wouldn't you? When you have three years to get out what's in you, when you have three years, not 30 or 40, three years to reach the world, you don't want to be taking any wasted journeys. But it seems to me that God would sooner walk down roads he does not need to for our sake rather than force something on us that was not our idea and we are unfamiliar with and uncomfortable about. And so he will still keep coming to your house. And your life and our churches will keep making God do the same thing he did last year and the year before. And 2017 and 2018 and 2019 will look very similar to the years prior to that because we keep making God walk down roads. He knows, he knows there's another way. He knows there's a better way. He knows there's an upgraded idea. But he'll keep walking down the same road we drag him down. Because this whole thing called Christianity, you need to understand, it operates according to our faith, not according to God's ability. In other words, the gap between where our faith stops, which doesn't make us bad people, by the way. If Jesus had come to the man's house, and laid a hand on the sick servant, it would have still been a good ending to the story, as it had been to this time. 
No, no, bad, no wrong hearts here at all. But the gap between where our faith stops and His ability is, that gap is where most of us live our lives, and in that gap is what I call the undiscovered Jesus. The Jesus that can do stuff that no one knew He could do, only He knew He could do it, but He didn't say it. Just imagine if Jesus had said to the elders of the Jews that were the first people to come, imagine if he'd said to them, go and tell the centurion, I'm not coming to his house, I'll just speak a word. And it wasn't, this, it wasn't the centurion's idea. How would that have sounded to him? It would have sounded careless and uncompassionate, would have sounded insensitive, because the centurion would have been panicking that this is a critical illness, the clock's ticking, I need you here now, for Jesus to have said, tell him I'm not coming, I'll send a word. And the centurion's like, what does that mean? How rude is that? He would have felt that Jesus was rejecting him because it wasn't his revelation. He didn't understand. But because the idea came from his world, came from his mind, Jesus was able to say, high five, let's do that instead. And centurion fact of faith, is the kind of faith that gets God to do stuff that no one knew God could do or no one knew that God would do or even should do. Because a lot of people would feel you shouldn't be helping this kind of person. You shouldn't be in that kind of person's life or home. And so centurion fact of faith is amazing because it gets God to do stuff. It is, it is human interruption of divine intention. It is Jesus saying, I'm coming to your house. It is people, a human being saying, don't come to my house. Do this instead. And God changes his mind. This changes the whole word of faith teaching we've grown up with all of us because we have been taught that when it comes to faith, our role is relatively passive. All we can do is cling on and believe and then God does all the good stuff and that's kind of how it works. And if you get a miracle, great. If you don't, then you've got to deal with it. We spoke about that a little bit this morning. And we believe that ours is to believe and to hold on and to hope and to confess the word. This is a game changer because this is empowering you more than you thought you had power. This is saying that you, we can come up with ideas that I call this. I call centurion fact of faith that gets God to do stuff. And this church, by the way, Healing Place Church, you couldn't have come to where you've come to without this. This, this has been in the mix of your journey. You can't have come to where you've come to without some of this. We didn't know what to call it, but this has been in the mix. And I tell you this because there's no guarantee it will stay in the mix because the larger churches get, the more comfortable we become. Why would you, why would you mess with stuff when everything's going great and we're reaching people and our buildings are full and, and our finances are strong and we're having a great time? We can default to comfort. Our church did. 20 years in our church did. We had a massive upheaval, a massive meltdown when I began to reinvent that church. So the centurion fact of faith is in the mix of the ingredients of why you've come to where you've come to. This message is about identifying to you a kind of faith that is rare. It's so rare, it's amazing. And a kind of faith that is 
that is possible for all of us. And this is not about up here. This is not about leaders and pastors coming up with this. This is about all of you stepping up in this next part of this year. And it could be little things that no one knows about. Not grand things like miracles and healings. It could be just small things where you start to think outside the box, where you start to get God to do stuff no one knew God could do and just play around, experiment with it privately. See whether or not God will do stuff and God will work with you in stuff and God will show up in stuff and God will bless stuff and God will use stuff that people have told you, no, 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 God can't use you. No, 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 God can't use them. No, 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 God can't do it that way. Don't tell them. Don't ask their permission. Just experiment. And build up a secret private bank of, huh, well, that's news to me because God did help me and God did open that door and God did use those people. Now, Everybody okay? A lot of people walking out there. Is it something I said? Something I'm about to say? Is it the band? It's not the band. You're too early to be the band. I'll call the band back up later, which gives me the power to let you all know a hope that we finished. When I say come and get the band back up here, people are like, thank God we nearly finished. Believe me, I've been in meetings where I prayed the band would get up and they didn't. We had another two hours to go. You ever thought you know someone really, really well? I mean, really well. And then they do something that absolutely shocks you to the core. I don't mean something bad. I don't know where you all went then. <laughs> years ago, I was uh, a friend of mine called Bill. Bill and I, I'd known Bill for like 15 years. Bill and I were down at a university campus in our city in a coffee shop talking about the students and talking about our ideas to reach into the student community. And we'd been there about, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, Bill and I talking with the coffee and students coming in and out. And as we got up to leave the coffee shop, about a dozen Chinese students came in, young teenage Chinese students came in, sat down, ordering coffee, all jabbering away to each other in Chinese, very cool. I think they'd newly arrived in our city, we assumed. We got up to leave the coffee shop. As we walked out, Bill goes over to these Chinese kids and starts speaking to them in fluent freaking Chinese. I have to put freaking in for emphasis because you weren't there. And these years later, I'm still mad at Bill. These kids' faces lit up. And I don't mean a few words that Bill had picked up on, on Google. I mean, Bill was fluent freaking Chinese. And these kids were like talking to Bill and he was away. And for 10, 15 minutes, I was stood shocked. Because I've known Bill for 15 years and now Bill is speaking fluent freaking Chinese and Bill never told me. I didn't know. And I was shocked. I was upset shocked. Have you been upset shocked? Upset shocked is I'm shocked, but I'm upset that you never told me that. How could you hold, how could you hold out on me? How could you not tell me that you could do that? It's like someone, it's like someone that you think you really know well suddenly sits down, starts playing piano. You're like, what? What? or starts playing the trumpet, or, or says something, you're like, how do you know that? 
Oh, I spent a few years in... What? You did what? Whoa, 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 hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just say that and then move on. Israel, that's upset shocked. So I'm waiting outside the coffee shop, ready to give Bill it with both bottles when he came out. And Bill comes walking out nonchalant. I said, Bill, Bill, what in the world just happened? What? What did I just witness? And Bill's like, what, what? What did you... What? Bill, 15 years... 15 years, how could you not tell me? Bill, why didn't you tell me, me, moi? Why didn't you tell me, you speak Chinese? And Bill looked at me in his cool, calm, unflustered, annoying way. And said to me, because you never asked. Because you never asked, to which I said, why would I? What clue did I miss? Why would I ask you? Don't speak Chinese, do you, Bill, by any chance? What a stupid thing to say to me. You never asked. That was it. Bill was done. And in case you're thinking, you must have missed something. Was it a Chinese clue you missed? Listen, we live in Yorkshire, the north of England, the Shire. Think Shire, think Hobbits. Now ask yourself, how Chinese is that image? That's Bill. That's Bill. So don't be you thinking there, you must have missed an idea. You didn't see that Bill had a bit of Chinese in him. No, no, I'm talking Shire, Hobbit, no clue. Well, you never asked and Bill was done. I tell you that to tell you this, to help you get this another way, because I'm a hammer and nail communicator. I have one nail and a hammer, and I watch that clock. And as long as you give me, I'm going to hit that nail as many ways as I can before I sit down, so that by the time I'm done, you need help to misunderstand me. Because <laughs> I've sat in too many churches where you don't know what the heck he's talking about or she's talking about. And I hate that. So my gift to you is it's going to be so clear when I'm done. I tell you about Bill to tell you this. God is like Bill. God speaks Chinese, but he won't tell you. I'm serious. Jesus doesn't need to come to your house, but he won't tell you. But if you come up with it, he'll go, high five, let's do that instead. So my point is, if we, want to, if we want to get God to speak Chinese more frequently in our lives and churches, he's not going to come up with the idea. But he's very happy for you to. But we don't think we can because we think we just have to do whatever God decides to do, however God decides to do it. So it's business as usual. It's His Word. It's His will. It's not my will. It's His will. We get all caught up in that stuff. Well, it was His will to come to the man's house. And then the man said, don't come. Send a word. So he changed his mind and said, well, we'll do that instead. One time Jesus said to the disciples when He's feeding the 5,000 in John's Gospel, He turned to them and said, where will we get enough food to feed these people? It said, knowing in his mind what he was going to do, he asked them this question. So he's not asking them because he has no ideas. He's asking them to see, do any of you have an idea? 
He's, he, he's fishing for. He's fishing for human intervention. He's fishing for any of you got an idea? And, and then Philip, who was the Philip, who was the accountant, who were never great, by the way, for ideas of this kind. The accountant said, "Hey Jesus, eight months' wages will not finance enough food for these people. I'll figure it out. Here's the calculator. Here's the statistics. Let's move on." Don't even give them an idea that it's possible because financially it can't be done. Jesus didn't say, how shall we feed them? He said, where will we buy the food? Where we will we get the food? And some people, when you say where, they only hear how and they shut it down. Then Andrew perks up and he says, I don't know about all that, the eight months wages thing. I know there's a kid here with a, couple of fish and a bit of bread and, and then he's like he's embarrassed to suggest it because he knows it's such a pitiful amount. So to let Jesus know, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I thought I'd have a shot. He said, but how far will so little go amongst so many? You know, like, oh, sorry if that was bad. And Jesus goes, boom, high five. Get that boy up here. Which tells us this, feeding the 5,000, by the way, with loaves and fishes was not Jesus's idea. Andrew came up with it. So we still to this day don't know what he had in mind. He just took Andrew's idea. Andrew, our glass half full people, good to have around. Haven't got the full picture. Haven't full picture, but they, but they dare suggest a little beginning in the neighborhood of what we think might be a way to go. And God loves that. Y'all okay? <sighs> Who knew? Who knew that a man could get the sun to stand still? See, this is why I said to you this morning, and if you weren't here, let me say again. You know people in the Bible, don't you? Didn't know they were in the Bible. Because you read Joshua, sun stand still and flick your page and reading for the day, next page. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Pause. The sun standing still was not God's idea. You think something so massive would be divine idea. It was Joshua who had a very practical problem. His problem was they're in a battle and they're winning and it's getting at a tipping point. But it's getting dark. And he knew if it got dark before they'd killed them all, they'd live to fight another day and on it would have gone for another day, another year, another generation. It's a tipping point. So he needs, he needs more daylight. So in his, in his non-scientific, military, practical mind, he shouts at the sun, sun, stand still. And I bet all the generals were like, oh my gosh. I'm glad, this, I'm glad the team didn't hear that because he's lost it. He needs a sabbatical and a spa vacation. Joshua, he... He, sh he just shouted at the sun to stand still. How crazy is that? You know what God did? Because now we know it's history. God went, boom, high five. I can do that. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Well, if you could do that, if you knew that you could do that, why are you watching me stress out? Why is it getting darker with no divine intervention? Why is it getting to the point of no return? Why are we going to fail today? Because we are... 
and I don't know how to fix it, so I just came up with a crazy idea. You knew all along you could do that, but you never said anything. Because God would say to Joshua, because you never... That's what God would have said. Because you never asked me to do it. Hang on a minute. So I have to ask you to do stuff you know you can do. Yeah? Because if it's not your idea, and it's mine, if it's not your faith, and it's my ability... If it's not your understanding, but it's mine, you're not going to believe it's God. You're going to think it's an imposition. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's embarrassing. It doesn't feel loving. Whatever else we come up with. So God's like, no, no, no. You got to come up with it. So here's what God didn't do. Here's what I love about God. God didn't say to Joshua, hang on a minute. Let me get this straight. (sighs) You do know, don't you? Joshua, that the sun doesn't move. Whenever I say that, people look at me like you look at me now, like you didn't know that. So Joshua was actually asking for something far more complicated than one planetary body to stand still. He's asking for the Earth's orbit around the sun to be delayed, which means every other planet in the universe that's aligned with the earth, every other other planetary body that moves in sync with every other planetary body around the sun, all of them, all of them are now having altered orbits because Joshua asked God to keep his side of the earth in sunlight longer than it normally is so the orbit of the earth has to slow down and stay longer in sunlight than it normally does for hours. And God didn't say to Joshua, if you're going to ask me stuff, get your science right. (laughs) Neither did God say, that's a ridiculous thing to ask me for such a small gain. You You want me to interrupt the whole universe so you can kill a few more bad guys? Are you kidding me? Get real. Ask me for something more proportionate to what you want. God will never judge you or patronize you or shut you down or lecture you for reaching. People will. People will. Who do you think you are? That's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. You're so ungrateful. That's that's so presumptuous. That's so beyond anything that's necessary. People will. God will never patronize you for reaching. He loves that we reach. And so God went, boom, let's do that then. Let's make the sun stand still. The rest is history. And the Bible says in Joshua 10, it says that there's never been a day before or since, never been a day like it before or since when God listened to a human being about freaking planetary alignment. What have I got? Four minutes. I'm I'm still hitting this nail. I know some of you get it and think, I get it, I get it. Sick people being healed in a shadow. What? See, you read it in your Bible, flick your page, nothing new to see here. Whoa, 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 hang on. You've got to stop and stop in real time. This has never been heard of. Sick people being healed in a shadow was not God's idea. It was people that were too sick to get to the healing service. 
These people were so disabled and so, so tormented in their physical condition that they, getting their miracle the rest of the way the people did was not an option. So they came up with an idea. That's what desperate people do, you know. Sometimes you have to get desperate to get some of this. You know, desperate people come up with ideas that you never do when you're in comfort world. So these desperate people said to each other, I, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, Sheila, tomorrow morning, me and you, we're going to get our way up there. We're going to get somebody to help us or we'll crawl. We're going to get to that piece of wall that when Peter goes by to church today and he comes by and his shadow goes across that wall like we've seen it happen. I was thinking as I saw that, we're not going to get his time or his attention. We're not strong enough to get that in our direction, but we're going to just sit. We're going to crawl. We're going to lay down. And when his shadow hits us, we're going to get a miracle. And Sheila would say to Mary, and Mary would say to Jim, are you on board? Because a lot of people that were in that conversation said, you know what, I can't be involved in that. My kids already think I'm crazy with this church stuff. Where are you going today, Mom? Uh, I'm just going to uh, lay on the floor uh, for... Um, uh, we're going to uh, wait till that guy Peter comes by and we're going to um, get a miracle in his shadow. There, I said it. What? What did you just say? Are you out of your mind? Listen, this was not Peter's idea. This was not God's idea. Peter just came walking by like he did every single day. And when his shadow hit them, boom, 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 boom. God just seemed to go healed in a shadow. Boom, let's do that then. Well, God, if you knew you could heal people in a shadow that were too physically disabled to get to the healing service, why didn't you say something? Because it has to come from you. It's unprecedented. It was not God's idea. No one, no one in heaven came up with it. God knew it was possible, but he didn't suggest it. It has to come from us. He can't impose it on you. It has to come from us. And, and you know what? When you're desperate for a breakthrough, saying, saying is overrated. Don't you be talking to those sane people anymore. You all need to have at least one crazy friend. At least one. If you got two or three, you're blessed. And before you go to bed tonight, you should text someone and say, you are my crazy friend and I love you for it. Don't stop bringing crazy to my life. I staffed crazy. I would talk to the team around the table and all the sane people would finish speaking. Then I would say, what does crazy think? What does crazy think? Because I, I was building fences and putting CCTV in to keep all the people out that were trashing our campus. Fences, now the discussion, because that's not working, is we're going to pay a security company to patrol our premises a lot more money. And now we're in this endless, ongoing, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? Let's get the band back up here, please. Gives people hope. You're welcome. So I would say, what does crazy think? 
And Crazy said to me, you know what? Why don't we stop trying to keep people out and just invite them in? I'm like, what? Hang on, what? What do you mean invite them in? Why don't we, why don't we stop building fences and stop putting up cameras and say to these scoundrels, these criminals that are ripping off our building, smashing our windows, that cost us $2,000 to replace the glass because they took 10 bucks out of a payphone on the wall. Why don't we just tell them you can get more by walking in than you can by breaking in? And I thought, wow, that's an idea. And that's exactly what we did. And then within about three, four months, it all just stopped. All the breaking stopped. All the thieving stopped. I'm like, crazy, crazy idea. Sick people been healed from a handkerchief. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This was not God's idea. This was not the Apostle Paul's idea who prayed over them. It says people brought handkerchiefs and aprons to him and said, look, our family don't live around here. Our family are too sick to get to you. Would you, would you pray over something that belongs to them so we can take it back and place it on their sick bodies and they'll get a miracle? And Paul's like, okay, cool. High five, let's, let's do that. Because people had a centurion factor, amazing kind of idea and got God to speak Chinese. And he would not unless you make him do that, unless you get him to do that. And I don't know what the equivalent of that is for you in your life, personally or corporately, but I know that God wants to speak Chinese far more frequently than he does. I know God wants to be amazed far more often than he is. But that's far less to do with God and far more to do with us than we think it is. I've got to finish. All right, love. Walking on water. Walking on water. What the heck is that about? What a total waste of time. Think about it. Who's been helped? Nobody. Who's been healed? Nobody. Any demons cast out? People been saved? Naked, clothed, hungry fed? Nobody. Hello. Get a boat like the rest of us. Walking on water. What's that about? I'll tell you what it is. It's God showing off. You need to know that God shows off. Not for the same reasons that we do, for insecurity or ego. No, God's just, God's, when, when Jesus is walking on water, all he's saying is, heads up guys, I can do stuff. That's it. That's all he's saying. He's saying, hey, I can speak Chinese. See, I can walk on water. Well, if you can walk on water, maybe you can heal me in a shadow. If you can heal me in a shadow, maybe you can heal through a handkerchief. If you can heal through a handkerchief, maybe if you can, if you can do that, maybe you can get money from a fish ATM. Jesus, we've got to pay a bill. Ah, you know what? Here's an idea. Go catch a fish. These are fishermen, okay? Go catch a fish. Yeah. So then we get the fish or we catch fish and you're going to tell us to take to the market and sell them and then the proceeds of the catch will pay the taxes. That's where their mind goes. Catch a fish, they finished it off in their minds. The scenario. 
Then he said, no, no. And the fish you catch will have a coin in its mouth and it will be such a high value coin. We'll pay all of our taxes with that coin. This is, this is fishermen. So it's a fish cash machine, a fish ATM. How elaborate is that? It's God saying, I can do stuff. And let me tell you, the reason this stuff is only in the Bible once, shadow healing once, sick healed from handkerchiefs once, fish ATM once, sun stand still once. The reason this is in the Bible only once is so that we don't franchise them. And we don't start shadow healing churches. We don't start sun stand still churches because that's what we do. We franchise it. We normalize it. And we park up on it. And that's where we keep getting stuck as humans and in the church. As if God's got no more ideas than that one. So we grab that and we try to bleed that dry for 50 years. This is why 98% of our country are not in church. Because the church generations ago parked up on this is all there is to know. This is the only God that there is. And they stopped there. And God's like, hello. I could do a lot more than that. I speak Chinese. But you got to get me to do it. Come on, let's stand together. Time's gone. Uh, you guys are awesome. You had a lot of fun. You're a little bit naughty. There's naughtiness in the room tonight. I can sense it. I like that. Wasn't, didn't feel naughty in this morning services, but then my subject didn't lend towards bringing out naughtiness. But tonight, we're cutting up, we're enjoying, we're having a, an amusing look at God's nature, and the naughtiness has emerged. I felt it in the room. Naughtiness is a component part of crazy. So if, if all you know is I feel a bit naughty, the chances are you could be someone's crazy friend. So don't suppress naughtiness. We need you to let it come out and become someone's crazy friend this week. Come on, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for this massive idea that you have included us in of doing something significant for you in our generation. We want to live and step more comfortably outside the box. We want to stop getting you to come to our house. We want to stop business as usual in our own lives and in our corporate life. We want to get you to speak Chinese much more frequently. We want to amaze you by things we come up with about which you say high five. Let's do that then. And I pray for the emergence. I pray for the growth, the development of centurion factor faith in this church. That in the months and years to come, this centurion fact of faith will become much more mainstream in our lives and in the lives of this church. And others will misunderstand it and others will never call it God. And some of, it, some of your enemies and some that do not even appreciate this church or you will say, that's of the devil, that's not of God. God has to come to your house. You can't get healed in a shadow. That can't happen. And you're going to just smile and say, well, you know what? It happened for me. You've got nothing to explain, nothing to justify, and nothing to brag about. All you got to do is just in your own way, get God to do stuff. The other churches said, God can't do that. God won't do that. 
There ain't nobody calling anything God does in the world. Nobody calls it a move of God when it begins. That's the last thing people call it. So don't be afraid that the naysayers will say to you, that's not right. That's not God. That can't be happening. Something's not right there. All they're saying is we're frightened of something we've never seen before. But don't you give in. Don't you explain it. You just keep getting God to speak Chinese. Because there are thousands and thousands of people that will not be reached through conventional means. You've got to stop getting God to do stuff that's just not working anymore for many, many people in our communities. They need us to get God to speak Chinese for them. Because they will be reached in a different way to how you were reached and how many of us were reached. So Father, please help us. School us. Disciple us. Grow us. May you find in us good pupils, learners, those that lean in. May you find in us a weariness about business as usual and a hunger and a desire to think beyond, to go beyond, to get you to high-five our ideas instead of us only high-fiving yours. And the best days, I pray the best, best, best days for this church are just ahead, just down the road beyond where we've come to. May this next year just be off the charts for this church as we get you to speak Chinese. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thanks for your welcome and your love. Grow strong, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.